Excellent. Good morning, everyone. How are you today? <laughs> Let's try that again. How are you today? <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm not going to let you off the hook anytime. I will always challenge you, right? So that expo, in case you didn't put those together, those cities that you were seeing or those nations you were seeing, we're taking trips to each of those countries this year. And so the expo will give you information about each one of those, the dates to help you with fundraising, to kind of help answer any questions you may have. So you'll want to go ahead and uh, go to the expo so that you can be well informed. It's Pastor Carolyn's desire to bring upwards towards 100 people on a missions trip sometime this year. And I believe we can do that. When you go on missions trips, it creates such a heart for missions and it helps not only the people we're going to minister to, but you come back so ready for things that God has for you even here. It builds your faith as well. So we encourage you to join us in the Missions Expo. Are you ready for the word today? Excellent. Well, grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks. So many things to be excited about today. I am thrilled for the Vows two-year anniversary. Again, this Saturday, 9 o'clock, the breakfast starts. Then they have their time of worship and the service starts at 10 right here in the lobby. So make sure that you're a part of that. Uh, today we're starting a new series called The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life. How many of you want to live a blessed life? Raise your hand if you want to live a blessed life. Amen. So the blessed life is not just finance. Finances are a part of the blessed life. But the blessed life is a part of business, family, relational, social, spiritual. It's your whole life God wants to be involved in and God wants to bless. And so that's what this series will connect you to. It's going to connect you to God's blessing throughout every area of your life. His favor in your business, his favor in your relationships, all those things. Robert Morris, pastor of a very large church in Texas, Gateway Church, wrote a book a number of years ago called The Blessed Life. How many of you have read The Blessed Life? Okay. We have copies of his book in the mezzanine, and we would love for you to read through it over the next three weeks, because that's the series we'll be going through. I'm going to be teaching extensively out of his book, as well as adding some of my own thoughts. But we're selling the books in the mezzanine for $10 so that you can kind of get deeper into it as, you know, these messages can't explain everything. But certain people have an anointing on a certain topic. Pastor Robert has tremendous anointing in this area of God's blessing in your finances, in your family, in business, and all these things. And so we really would encourage you to pick up a copy of The Blessed Life on your way out so that it can fill in all the spaces. And you can kind of really do a good book study while we go through this over the next few weeks. All right, today I want to talk to you about the generous life. Say generous. The blessed life, there's a catalyst in all these areas. In your marriage, with your children, with your business, with your personal finances, relationships. And that catalyst is wrapped up in that word generosity. It's the idea of living a life with an open hand. Everyone take your hand and open it up. An open handedness. There's something about living a life of giving, living a life of generosity in every area that just blesses others and also then brings blessing back into your own life. If you open your hand, the opposite of that would be a closed hand. And we don't want to live a life with a closed hand. Whether that hand is closed with fear, because fear of what may or may not happen, fear of running out, fear of failure, fear of someone taking advantage of you. There's all kinds of reasons to close that hand and to recoil. But today we want to be a people like our Heavenly Father. Amen? And God treats us with a hand of generosity. He treats us with an open hand. There is so much more life and abundance and fullness when we choose to live a life like this, 
with an open hand versus a life like this in recoiling. I hope that's kind of the image you can walk away with today is God help me to live a life with an open hand and not a closed fist. I want to talk to you today about some of the verses that kind of share with us about generosity and inspire us in generosity. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, it's very familiar, it says that we shall reap what we sow. But the Phillips translation, I love his version of this, he says a man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. And so there is this idea of sowing, releasing something from your hand, and your harvest that you'll get in return is connected to that catalyst of what you did first in the area of releasing something in your hand. A person's harvest in life is connected, is tied up to what they sow. Proverbs eleven twenty four says it like this, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. That's a powerful verse. Let me say it again. Give freely, say give, give. freely and you become more wealthy. That almost seems mathematically impossible. It's like, wait, I'm giving it away. How is it possible that more comes back? But the Bible also warns and says, be stingy, recoil, close those fists out of fear, close those fists out of self-preservation or selfishness. And the Bible says that you will actually lose everything. Generosity is at the core of who we are. Giving is a requirement to live, love, and enjoy the life God has given us. God desires you to have this blessed life. God desires you to have a life that's abundant to the full till it overflows. We get excited about that. But you will go through the Bible time after time and there's an ingredient. It's not a secret ingredient, but it is an ingredient. And that ingredient is love. And that ingredient will express itself with generosity, love in action. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Bible says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the one that said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's interesting to me that that's actually in the book of Acts and not in one of the gospels. So this is like years after Jesus was even resurrected and then ascended, and they're still going back saying, remember, what Jesus, he must have said this so often. It must have been such a, a trademark of his ministry that this is one of those quotes that was just, it was a Jesus 101 quote. And they were reminding each other that what Jesus would say, it's more blessed. Why would he say it so often? Because it's so counterintuitive to our human nature, our fallen human nature. And Jesus was trying to remind the disciples and he was trying to remind his early church. He was trying to remind his sheep, his, his people. My friends, it is more blessed to be the giver than to have a life where you're always trying to be the receiver. Does that seem, it seems beautiful when you see it in the eyes of the Lord, but it just seems like, why? I don't understand that. How, how is it more blessed to be a giver than to be a receiver? We like receiving. We like receiving gifts. We like receiving favors. But a life that is even better than receiving the favors is someone that's opening doors for others. Is someone that's, 
meeting the prayer and the answer that someone else has? What if God uses you to be the one to step in and be the answer to someone's prayer? That's a huge life. That's a great big life. That's a blessed life. Not always being the one that needs to receive, but saying, God, could you use me to be the one with the open hand, the conduit that you will use to be a blessing, to express your reality, to be your breakthrough in somebody's life. God, use me, pour your answers and solutions through me. Isn't that exciting? One of my mentors growing up used to say, a person wrapped up in themselves is a very small package. Think about that. So many times we're waiting for someone to bless us and God's saying the best way to live life is to be the blessing. Say, God, use me to step into someone's life and refresh them. Use me to be someone that encourages them, that brings some sort of relief to their life than always waiting for someone to bring a relief to mine. And the Bible says that if I'm sowing that kind of life, because remember your harvest, what's coming back to you is directly connected to what you're sending out. And so if you choose to be the one that's blessing, if you choose to be the one with the open hand, giving and supporting and helping, then you're just at the same time building that harvest that's gonna be coming back towards you as well. Amen. I love this stuff. Practice generosity, practice generosity. We're not naturally born givers. Some of you might've been, but I've been around a lot of children in the nursery. I've had my own children. And generosity is not something that they just naturally come to on their own. In fact, most of us, if we were honest with ourselves, we're natural born takers. We're natural born selfish people. The world related to us, you know, it's mine, that's mine. Even with a, when a kid, they're not even playing with a toy, but it's theirs. And so they set it down and they go over here. But what happens when another kid comes up to play with that toy they're not playing with? What does that kid do? All of a sudden, that toy becomes the most important toy because that's mine. So then you're like, well, then I'll play with this toy. Nope, that's mine. And that's mine. Some of you may have teenagers. I don't know if you do or not. Maybe you did at one time, but... They're even to the point where they're calling seats in the car before you ever get out of the house, right? Whose turn is it? This, this, mine, mine, mine. It's like those little birds in the Finding Nemo movie. Mine, 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 mine. Like that's just the way it is. We are natural, this is mine, this belongs to me. We're natural born takers. And so God through his scripture is always trying to renew our mind to be like him because we were made in his image. The way we function best is to function like him. The way to live and receive that life he's trying to get through to you is to do things his way. And he's telling us it's more blessed to be the giver than to always be the receiver. Now you will need to receive at some point. It is important to be a quality receiver and to be able to thank the Lord for it and be able to receive that. Don't be that person that says, no, no, no one ever helped me. That's not necessarily what we're talking about here. There's times we have to have also that same grace to say, I'm gonna allow someone to be that answer to prayer in my life. Praise God for that. But it is important that we're not just sitting around in our world waiting for others to do something for us, but we're out there being the salt, being the light, saying, God, where can you use me to be a conduit of generosity in this world? To be the givers like God is a giver. We too often live a self-centered life. We think about our needs, our happiness, our own problems, 
in the world according to us. I've heard it said before that we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. The whole world revolves around us. We are the main character in the story of life. Come on, if we're honest, right? The whole world, the whole view of what we do, everything is what's concerning us in our life. And God is trying to help us have some bigger lenses, some bigger eyes to see some things that are part of what he's doing. God is a giver. John 3.16 tells us, for this is how God loved the world. He gave. You know the rest of the verse, it's pretty common. His one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. But I want to bring you back to the beginning of that verse. Let's just simply read the first sentence. For God, this is how God loved the world. He gave. Think about that. Everything in the gospel, everything in the Bible, when God is saying, I love you, he also then gave as an expression of that love. Jesus is a part of God's heart towards people and how God operates. God is a giver. Say God is a giver. It's who he is. We can say God is love, but that love expresses itself with an open hand. That love expresses itself by being a giver. God make us givers, help us in this area of generosity. Our culture keeps us so focused on us. Everything from selfies to self-help books to even our video game systems are called like we, like we, me, <laughs> like iPhone, iPad, I, 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 rather than let's help others. Amen? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, knowing that God is a giver, the Bible tells us this, imitate God. Don't you love that? We want to imitate him in so many ways. Let's imitate him in this spirit of generosity, this spirit of an open hand. God is taking care of us, right? He said he would. So we don't have to be so consumed with ourselves. We can be his eyes, his hands, his feet. We can help those around us because we know he's taking care of us. You might think in your mind, who's taking care of me? The answer is the Lord. The Lord is taking good care of you. If you seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all this other stuff, he will take care of you. But if you wait till everything in your life is taken care of before you take care of others, that's a trap. Do you see that? If you wait until everything in your life is taken care of before you have eyes to see and help take care of others, that's a trap. Start taking care of others. Trust your life with God. Help others win and succeed. And God is faithful. He will take care of those things that concern you. But may we be imitators of God Ephesians 5.1, therefore in everything you do, because you're his dear children. I want to imitate God, not just in, in righteousness or not just in anointing and power, casting out devils and healing the sick and preaching the good news. I want to imitate God as a giver. I want to imitate God as someone with an open hand who steps into other people's world and says, I'm here to help. Because isn't that what Jesus did when God put on flesh? He stepped into our problems to help us with what's going on in our lives. Can we go to work, not just for ourselves, but can we go to work to also see others around us that may need some assistance, that may need some answers or kindness in some way, shape or form? Are you understanding that? It's all about the heart. Open your Bibles to the book of Luke, if you would, please. 
chapter six. Let's look at Luke chapter six in our Bibles today. Jesus teaching, he says in verse 37, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, even running over. Get excited about that? And poured into your lap. The amount you give, I want you to hear this, the amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. Can you see this? This is Jesus teaching us now. This is Jesus teaching us. Don't judge, don't condemn, forgive. Give and you'll receive. Now, so many times we use that verse just in the area of finance, but in reality, finances aren't actually the center topic of this paragraph. This is talking about a principle of life that you receive back in same measure in what you give. Remember, we're talking about the blessed life, not just the blessed finances. Are you hearing me, church? We're talking about a blessed life, not just blessed finances. Finances are one part of life, but this principle of measures affects all areas of our life. In the same measure that you give love, you're sowing love, which affects your harvest of love. In the same measure that you give encouragement to other people, affects the life that you'll live that's filled with encouragement. In the same measure that you live a life of judgment and condemnation and criticism, you will then reap a harvest in measure of the amount of judgment, bitterness, criticalness that you've sown all around you. This is about the blessed life. If you're generous with compliments and praise, in your marriage, do you know that's gonna affect your harvest in marriage? If you only tell your spouse you love them on Valentine's Day, once a year, that's gonna affect the measure of what comes back. Are you hearing me, church? If I don't compliment and sow words of life into my spouse generously, that affects what I receive back. If I don't encourage my children generously, in praising and encouragement and complimenting, or if I'm stingy with resourcing them to succeed or resourcing my spouse to succeed or resourcing the employees that God trusts you with to succeed, it will affect the harvest back. Are you understanding this principle, church? When we live a life of open-handedness, when we live a life of, of saying, how can I sow more love into that individual, into my kids? into others? How can I sow more encouragement? How can I sow more resource? How can I sow more helpfulness? See, it's an open-handed life. Can I get involved? Can I serve? Can I give some assistance? Can I be a blessing to you? That's a generous life. A person who's always waiting for someone to help them, always waiting for someone to bless them, always waiting for someone to Praise them, always waiting for someone to see them and compliment them. 
It's not doing what we're talking about today. It's not having that sense of giving out into the world what it is that you're hoping to harvest back. Are you following me, church? Live generously, love generously, forgive generously. It all affects your harvest back. We create the measures that we receive. Hopefully you see that in that passage of scripture. We want abundant return, may we give abundant seed. I wanna be a person that encourages other people in what God has called them to do. I don't wanna live a life where I just think everyone should just celebrate my gifting and my talents, my, my ministry. I wanna help as many people as possible achieve God's vision for their life. I wanna help other people succeed. And in doing so, I know that's linked to my harvest as well. So that's why, that's why I don't have to be an arrogant, self-centered minister. <laughs> not saying that they're out there, but they might be. Because I'm not concerned about me, I wanna help you. And I wanna sow into you, and I know that's directly linked to the measures and harvests that I'll return. But too many people are worried about making themselves famous, making themselves great, making themselves seen. But what if we sow helping others get seen, opening doors of favors for others? complimenting their success because I'm not jealous of their success. Why should I be jealous of their success? It's not like God's gonna run out. If someone else is successful, there's no success for me. But we live these lives of competing with one another rather than being generous towards one another, withholding from one another rather than sowing abundantly into one another. This is about generosity. It affects every area of blessing. It affects your marriage. It affects your family with your children. It affects your business. You know, you can go through business school. You, we've read books on customer service, taking care of the customer, being blessing. There's certain companies that were known for, uh, and then some, the way they treated their employees or the way they treated the customers. And then over the years, maybe they got away from that and they started cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. And it always goes badly to start giving less generously to your customers or less you know, generously to your employees and things like that. That spirit of generosity, that open-handedness always produces fruitfulness always produces increase. Are you understanding me, church? It affects your business. May you be a business that's not trying to cheat people or give just enough. We are Christians, we give and then some. We give service above and beyond. We give more than expected to customers. It will affect your business. It's a God principle in how you sow and the measure you sow affects the measure you're gonna reap back. But if you just think about you and you just try to preserve everything for yourself and you stop living that generous life, it will hinder your harvest. It will hinder the amount of blessing you receive in return. I'm gonna read that one verse 38 again because it's so good. Verse 38, give, notice there's an action on your part first. Give and then you're gonna receive. Remember it's according to what you gave, right? Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together, make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine. It's not the devil that determines. It's not God even that determines. It's not other people that determine. 
It's the amount, the measure that you gave produces the amount that's able to return. Are you hearing me, church? That's powerful. There's a lot of power in your hand when it comes to what you release from your hand or even from your mouth. Like we said, words of encouragement and praise and honoring other people. There's, it's, it's, it's not just money. It is finance. Yes, it is finance. But being a generous person in your heart will be generous in so many areas, not just money. There are certain individuals that will just give money, but they won't give encouragement with their mouth. Unfortunately, there's some parents who rather give their kid a check than give them time. We have to be able to give in all these areas and not just exchange one for the other. It's good preaching, Pastor. It is. It is. Too many times we're unsatisfied with what we're receiving from others when the only person we have control over is ourselves. Here's the thing. You can choose to sow into somebody's life, encouragement, love, finance, resource, time, generosity, one way or another. The Bible doesn't necessarily say that the harvest is gonna come back from the person you gave it to. The harvest is gonna come back because it's spiritual law. And so we don't give to a person waiting for that person to turn around and give us something back. We give into the laws of the kingdom, amen? And somewhere in this timeline, there is a return and a harvest that comes back. But I'm not focused on the individual to give me something back. I wanna be the blesser. I wanna be the generous one, amen. There are individuals who say, man, we gave love. We, we, we helped them in so many ways and, was, and they still walked out or they still did this. But I'm telling you, those seeds are eternal. Those seeds are in the kingdom and you watch for it. God will bring 30, 60, 100 fold more back in other relationships, other opportunities. Amen. So it, you don't sit there and say, oh, we wasted that generosity on that individual. It's never a waste to love people. It's never a waste to be generous. It's never a waste to do it right and to love people the way God told us to do it. Amen. When we're generous with our spouse, our kids, others, with their resources, praise, helpfulness, you will live a blessed life. The heart to be a blessing, to be the blesser. If you are stingy, if you are selfish with your resources, if you are selfish with your praise, selfish with your helpfulness, you will not live that blessed life. You just won't. This is a biblical, it's a biblical law. You will not live that blessed life. Some people, they may not like hearing about generosity and giving. Sometimes people are like, I don't wanna hear about giving. I don't wanna hear about generosity. Preach to me something else in the Bible. Everything in the Bible is giving. <laughs> Everything in the Bible is generosity and giving. Come on. The message of God's grace is a message of giving, is a message of generosity from God, a message of the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit is a message of giving, is a message of generosity, is a message of grace, is a message of God's hand being open, giving to a people who may never respond and love him. Be imitators of God as dear children. And God sends love to every human being. God died on that cross for every human being, whether or not they ever gave anything back. 
He didn't prejudge them and say, what can I get back from them before I give them? Be imitators of God. Everything in your Bible is giving. Everything in your Bible is generosity. It is a book of generosity. Remember what I said in the beginning. It's, it's about love expressing itself in generosity. God so loved the world, he gave. God so loved the world, he gave. Love causes you to respond in generosity, causes you to give. Generosity and giving come from your heart. Love, compassion, faith. All comes out of your heart. So then the question is, is God after your money then? I think in a way, yes. God does want to affect and challenge us with our money. Because God is after your heart. And our hearts follow what we treasure. It's biblical. Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your heart, because generosity is affected by our heart, love, compassion, faith, all these things are in our heart, money is gonna get involved. There's something about treasure, something about money that is attached to our heart. You can even test this out. You might take your money and put it in some sort of a investment or something. And before you put your money in that investment, you didn't think anything about that stock or anything about that investment. It wasn't on your mind. What happens the moment you put your money in that investment? What happens? You begin to focus on it, right? You start paying attention to that company. You start paying attention to what it's doing. And every day you're like tracking it online, going, what's going up or is it going down? You didn't care about it until you put treasure in it. Somebody say amen to that. You didn't care about it until you put treasure in it. But the moment you put treasure in it, you cared an awful lot about what happened to that. It's just the way we are. You know, Maria talks about that with our children because money's not your only treasure. She says it all the time. The other day we were talking about the kids going on a trip and, or no, they were coming home from church riding with some friends on uh, New Year's Eve. And she was like, my precious treasures are driving with this volunteer in the car, just know, <laughs> you know? And she's tracking that person on Life360. Yes, we spy on our children all the time. It's called good parenting. <laughs> Come on. Why? Because they're carrying our precious treasure. You know, there's thousands of airplanes that fly over your head every day that you don't ever think about. But you put one of your kids on those airplanes, Come on. All of a sudden, you know where that airplane is until it lands. Why? Because you put your treasure there. Well, you put your treasure there and your heart is connected to your treasure. If you want your heart more and more into God's kingdom, put your treasure in God's kingdom. You know, how do I, how do I connect my heart more to the things of God? Put your treasure into the things of God. Put your resource, put your time, put your energy, put your attention, put your, your helpfulness, put your encouragement, put your finance into the things in the kingdom of God. And you'll be surprised how much you care about the kingdom of God. Amen, church. Amen. Pastor Kevin, how do I develop a heart of generosity? It's through practice of generosity. Please write that in your notes. I can't just pray a prayer of generosity over your head. I can't even do that for myself. And let me say this, I wanna become better at all these things too, because I think we can always improve in living that life of an open hand. I think there's seasons 
that we maybe have abundance and we're like, oh, I'm gonna be a generous person. And then you have seasons where it's not as abundant and we can recoil. And if not, not intentionally pushed back on, we can accidentally drift into self-centeredness and selfishness and fear. Are you understanding that? You didn't mean to, it's just things have been tight. Whether your time has been tight or finance has been tight and we can slide from living a life of generosity into one of fear and withholding. And so practicing generosity is the way to grow in the area of generosity. I'll say it again, practicing generosity is the best way to grow in generosity. I can show you scripture which will build faith in generosity, but it's the practice of giving, the practice of giving um, praise, encouragement, giving of love, helping other people, you know, resource and being a blessing in other people's lives, doing it intentionally and consistently, that grows that, that measure of being a generous person in our lives. I choose to practice generosity. We're gonna go through a couple um, verses here together in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Are you ready? Deuteronomy 15, verse seven through 15. I'm gonna break it into small chunks. If there is among you a poor man or brethren with any of the gates, within any gates in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand. There's that word again. Remember open hand? Don't shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand. Say, open your hand. Take your hand, put it in a fist. Open that hand, that's intentional. For some reason, the Bible's telling us God is, in this chapter, God is discipling his children. I love this. God is discipling his children of how he wants them to represent him as his nation in the earth. We are God's representatives in the earth. Somebody say, amen. You are his body. Israel was his example of his goodness, of who he is to one another and to the earth. They were supposed to be like a light and a beacon of God's people in the earth. So he's training them how to behave. And he's saying to them, don't close your hand. What does that tell me? It tells me that even way back then, people had all kinds of reasons to withhold. And God never says your reasons are wrong. He just says that we have that habit. Don't close your hand when someone's in need, intentionally open it. Live with an open hand but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly. Say willingly. It's like Maria says all the time, we give with a faith-filled, expectant, cheerful heart because God doesn't just want the gift. He doesn't just want the obedience. He wants you to be willing and obedient. Willingly, amen. Lend sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. It's possible for us to have a wicked thought in our heart saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and, let your, and then your eye will be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing and you cry to the Lord against you and it becomes sin among you. Let me explain that seventh year thing. So in that time period, if someone was a servant in your house that came to work for you because of they needed money and they were trying to pay something off or whatever, they might work for you 
for seven years or whatever. At the end of that seven years, you're meant to release them from whatever outstanding account they may have and they would go free, paid in full. And so what he was saying was, if someone comes to you in the sixth year and in your head, you're like, wait a minute, I'm not gonna get seven years of work out of them for helping them. I'm only gonna get one year or six months. I don't wanna help them because they're not gonna help me. God is saying, don't think that way. Help them. Don't worry about you. You do what I tell you to do. I'll take care of you. You just make sure you respond correctly to the person in need. Amen. God is saying, I want you to be generous. Why? Because he's generous. He's saying, I want you to be like me, open-handed, willing to help people. Amen? God did not command giving in the Bible for his sake. God is commanding Israel to give, not for his sake, but for Israel's sake, for his children's sake, because of who they're becoming with a generous heart with a compassionate heart, a giving heart. If no one in that nation is helping others, if everyone's just in it for themselves, what type of nation will they become? If everyone in church is just in it for their own happiness, in it for their own blessing, in it for their own fulfillment, then what kind of churches will we have? If all we ever think about is our prosperity, our blessing, and not blessing others and being a blessing, what better church to be a part of than a church who's looking to be a blessing to one another and to others? What a powerful church. And that's a church that looks a whole lot more like God than everyone's in it for themselves. Come on, somebody. That church looks like God. And we're God's kids and Israel is God's children. And he was telling them, I am commanding you to be generous and to be a giver because I'm teaching you how to be like your God that you follow and that you serve and that you represent in the earth. Giving more than any other action a believer does works greed and selfishness out of our lives. That is a common virus in our culture, in every generation, in our lives. Those little germs you pick up along the way. Selfishness and greed can easily set itself into our lives. And giving, generosity, is one of the best ways to work greed and selfishness out of our lives, even more than just praying about it. You know, God, make me a generous person. Follow that prayer up with generosity. <laughs> Think about it. God, make me loving. Then follow it up with loving. God, I want to be more like you. Then go express love through generosity and giving into somebody else's life. Be an encouragement. Be a blessing. Be helpful. Be generous. This is why it's important to have a foundation of giving that is not simply trying to get something back. I do believe in harvest. We just read it. Every seed has harvest attached to it. Did you hear me say that in the beginning? But I do not want to be a church that only preaches giving for the sake of getting. Harvest is attached to seed. It's a law. It's the law of the harvest. But if our motivation in giving is simply to get, then we're actually turning giving into a selfish thing. Does that make sense? It's biblical, but you can also take something good and you can twist it into something bad. 
The idea of being generous to express God's love into the world, being generous for being the blesser in someone else's life, yes, it will result in a harvest from those seeds, but the focus is in the generosity. The focus is in the expression of love. The, the focus is in helping someone else, not just helping yourself. That's good. The Bible goes on to say in Deuteronomy verse 10, you shall surely give to him. God is not giving them any margin. <laughs> you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all of your works and in all that you put your hand to do. Notice he's not telling you to look for your blessing from the person they're giving to. Deal with a grieving heart. Verse, in that verse 10, you shall surely give to him and not be grieved when you give to him. Selfishness attacks us before we give. Write that down. Grieving can attack to us after we give. <laughs> it's like you're saying goodbye to something. And so you grieve that you're losing something. But God is saying, I will bless you in all your works. You're not losing anything. Amen. Ron, Conkabee, give me all the money in your pocket. Come on. Well done. <laughs> Say, Pastor Kevin, that sounds really weird. And I want to point a few things out. One, I didn't just ask him for it. I said, give it to me. And I didn't say thank you when he gave it to me. And I'll tell you why. And notice he didn't grieve after he gave it. Here's why. I gave him that money before service. <laughs> it was mine. Are you understanding? All we have comes to us from him. <laughs> so the truth is, God doesn't have to say please and he doesn't have to say thank you. And we shouldn't grieve when he asked for it because it was his in the first place. It wasn't ours. The only reason we grieve is because we thought it was ours. Are you hearing me, church? We grieve because we thought it was ours, but the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And everything I have came from him. And so when God says, give it to help somebody, I give it. It's his. And he says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, whether or not they're gonna pay you back. Don't worry about it. Is it gonna advance your personal interests? Just obey me, right? And I will bless you. And I will bless you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We'll continue on. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold to you and serves you six years and in the seventh year, you shall let him go free. When you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to them. Develop a generous heart. 
Supply them generously, liberally from what the Lord has blessed you with. And again, why is God telling us to be liberal in our generosity towards other people? Is it because he's concerned about the servant that's leaving and he wants to make sure they have enough money to start? Probably there's some concern there and God wants to make sure they have a good start. But again, the center topic of this whole chapter, this whole discourse is about him talking to the giver, not actually to the servant. He's directing and teaching the people that have the resource and he's saying to give and don't grieve when you give and also give liberally and abundantly when you give. Don't give just enough for what's expected. Be an and then some person. He's really discipling his children how to look like him. To leave it better than you found it, somebody say amen. To not just live to minimums, but to live and give beyond. To be a blesser. God doesn't just bless to minimums. God does, like we was said earlier, beyond what you could have asked for. What if we had a culture like that? The way we treat people, the way we help people, the way we resource people, that they leave better than they thought from interacting with you. Isn't that good church? Isn't that who we wanna be? There are certain individuals that have this naturally. I have a brother-in-law that is like this just naturally. He is a blesser and you ask him to run to the grocery store to pick up a bag of chips for the football game and he'll come back with like every chip in the chip aisle. He'll come back with cookies and soda and cake and it's just, this is, a, this is, this is natural for this person. That's the way God is with us. We used to have a lady in Illinois when she was a part of our uh, hospitality team that would go help people who got out of the hospitals. She wouldn't just bring like a little cheap something. She would make like an entire basket of like fresh baked bread and fresh soups and there would be like drinks and desserts for the kids and like all this stuff. And it was just so an indensa mentality. Now, all of us don't have that same like, like home cooking kind of thing. That's what I'm talking about. It's the spirit of not just enough. It's a spirit of not just living to minimums, but going beyond. That's like God. Somebody say amen to that. What if a church was like that when we went places? So we didn't just do minimums, we went beyond. What if we treated people not just what's expected, but beyond what's expected? When we brought help and resource that we left them better than they thought we were gonna leave them. You know what I'm saying? As a, as a missions group or as a church serving in a community service event or something to that effect. We leave it even better. The last verse is this. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. So the root of all this where God says, the reason I'm commanding you and you should do this today is remember that you were once a slave in Egypt. Develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Remember that you too were once a slave to sin. You too were on a road to hell. You too were lost and you were without the covenants and without the promises of God and without the Holy Spirit and without hope in the world, the Bible tells us. When we have a heart that's always grateful, then we will have a generous heart. 
If these individuals got lost in their blessings, they got lost in their new houses and their new vineyards, and they forgot that they were once slaves, they were once the ones in need, they were once the ones that needed somebody to be good and generous to them. May we never forget where we've come from, come from. amen, church? All of us have had stories and seasons in our life where we needed encouragement, we needed help, we needed someone to open a door, we needed this. And we were blessed and God met us. May we be the most grateful people on the planet. When you lose your gratefulness, you lose your generosity. It just happens. When you're grateful and you see God blessing and you see God's increase and you see God's abundance and God's favor, then it's easy to open doors for others and to bring favor to others because you see and you're grateful for all that God has done in your life. Go ahead and stand as we close in a word of prayer. Did you get anything out of that today, church? Amen. The blessed life, the catalyst to a blessed life, the very beginning is generosity. That sense of love being expressed in generosity. Let me pray this over your life and then we'll give you opportunity to respond. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we do ask that you help us to remember where you've brought us from. That God, you have been so good, so consistently faithful. And Lord, I pray that you help us to love other people the way that you've loved us. Lord, help this church to have such a love in its heart that expresses itself in good works, that expresses itself in generosity, that expresses itself in compassion. And Lord, I thank you. We don't have this competitive thing. We wanna help so many people achieve the fullness of God for their lives. And so God, I bless this beginning as we talk about the blessed life. I pray God now that you give us inspiration as we leave of how to express generosity throughout this week. I pray you bring this up in our path all week long that you would speak to us about being generous and we would obey. And that would start that journey of growing that culture and that heart or consistently feeding that culture and heart of generosity in this house. We want to do more than is expected. We want to be the blessers. It is more blessed to give than to receive. We thank you for that principle, God. We believe it, we trust you with it. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. If you agree with that church, you say a big amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.